0: Okay, last week I was talking about wisdom and the fact that Jesus is wisdom personified. Jesus, Jesus has many names, but when you read through the proverbs, um, you, you you find a lot of you know talk about Jesus and wisdom. Wisdom is Jesus. Jesus is wisdom, and when you, when you hear that appeal. You know, it's, a, it's an appeal from, from Christ Jesus himself. Um, and we're not going to go over it all again, but last week you find many, many, many instances and lots of evidence in the scripture with regard to Jesus, how he speaks to us, and that his, his call for us is a personal call. And it's a call of, it's his call, it's the call of wisdom himself. And last week I was talking about this particular verse. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 1. This is my starting point. And I'm going to talk about this verse again today. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands. And so, we spent a lot of time last week talking about how, you know, Jesus is God. God. You know, Jesus is one with the Father. And, um, you know, Jesus, when he became, you know, a human being in the flesh, talks here about in Colossians, it says, Colossians 1.19, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Jesus was God. Jesus is God. Jesus, when he was here on earth, you know, was both, fully man and fully God. This is, this is a, minis- a mystery that, that our own human minds might struggle to understand, but, but it's absolutely true. But as God, you know, He's, he's our Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ, as, as wisdom there, appeals to us. And, you know, our God is eternal. We, we use this verse, I think, last week, Colossians 1.16, 6, says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. This is Jesus Christ, our eternal God, our creator. But the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, he has a plan. The Father has a plan. Now keep you on reading there in, in Colossians chapter 1 and it says here, he says and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross God had a plan it's from the moment Adam and Eve sinned, he had a plan it was to reconcile to heal that that wound that sin created that, that big gap, you know, there was this this breach in relationship that sin caused Jesus Christ became sin and paid the price for our sin it was always God's plan to have a people and so we have God God planning you know, for us to be a part of him and for him to be a part of us for us to be one it's always been in his heart but here we have in the New Testament these mysteries revealed and we are the beneficiaries of them you know, we, we actually can walk and have a sa- salvation by grace. And we're talking more about you know, the way of wisdom and who Jesus is, that, that G- wisdom personified. And we talked last week about how you know, wisdom is presented as both you know, a father and a mother. And when you think about you know, concern for, for something or somebody, here we have the Lord Jesus Christ present at the creation. He's our Creator. He's one with the Father. You know, Christ is God, and so we know that if we create something, because we made it with our own hands, we have a, a special interest in it, and we, we we care for it. You know, if I if I make something, then I I don't like it if somebody comes along and just destroys it, has no value. And God, even in a much greater way, he, he made us, he created us. And he doesn't like the way, he doesn't like it when things happen, when we're harmed or when we're damaged or when we're put, you know, at a distance. He doesn't want that. He wants to draw close. He wants to preserve. He wants to restore. You know, there's, there's things, you know, that we, we make and we go, oh, that, you know, that wasn't very good. So we don't necessarily value it. We'll have another go. I guess you know, you're into art, you know, occasionally you have uh, something that's a bit of a trial and it mightn't turn out the way you want and so you put that down to a learning experience and you do better next time. I'm a tradesman. You know I know many times when you you've done something and you think oh yeah that's not good enough so I'll, I'll pull it out and I'll do it again. Because you want to present a good product. Now we know from the, the creation account when, when God made us You know, after he'd finished, he'd made made man, male and female. He made them in his image. And he said, ah, this is very good. There was no redo on that one. It was very good. And of course, I fell into sin. And God's plan has been enacted. We see, we read it through the scriptures, and we have Christ, our Saviour. And now we are, you know, part of this this journey of, of what God is restoring. But... Our God has such a concern for us. Jesus Christ has such a concern for us as a creator. But also we read in the Proverbs that as he's saying, my son. And both a mother and a father can talk to their child as my son, you know. It's a male child, they say, my son. It's a female child, they say, my daughter. This is language for both a mother and a father. And I am sure that I have concern for my children more than others do because I'm their father. Rosalind has concern for her children. She's a mother. And it's natural, it's the way that God has created it. But our God has all these layers of concern for us. He's our creator. So he wants us to be protected. And he did a very good job, he said. He doesn't want us to be damaged. And he's our father. He plans he'll teach us and he's a perfect father you know there's no such thing as a perfect human father but there's a our god is a perfect father but he also here in proverbs presents himself as as this female character you know wisdom she she cries aloud like the concern of a mother and the bible you know reflects these attitudes in other places you know like a you know, says God's like a, like a mother hen that gathers the chicks under her wings. And, and God is spirit. He's neither male nor female. But all of these things to help us understand how much God is concerned for us, how much God loves us, all of these layers of meaning are there for us. We can find in the scriptures. He's our creator. He's like a father, He's like a mother. He nurtures. He disciplines, He guides, He supports, He provides. The list goes on and on and on. And and one of the ways that God does this, shows His concern, is He wants His wisdom. He wants the Lord Jesus Christ to be inside of us. And so, again, we're, we're looking here into this verse. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching. Do not forget my teaching. It's whose teaching is it? Well, this is Jesus' teaching. Wisdom is something that that we have to make up our own mind. It says here, do not, do not forget my teaching. He says, the next beginning of the next test, but let. So we are involved. god It's not like as if God stamps us like a robot. We're involved in this process of recognising wisdom, the words of Christ, and receiving them into ourselves. Again, in Colossians 1.27, it says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches and the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, Christ has been made known to us and God chose to make him known and it's been manifest to us, you know. And the thing about, about wisdom or any, any, any form of knowledge or understanding is it's not necessarily automatic but, but it, it, it builds over time with, with frequent use. Uh, this week, yeah, this week, well, it's Friday, I was quite anxious about something. I I had a job to do, um, where it involved me digging a trench and using an excavator. Yeah. Now I've been a plumber for oh, for a long time. You know, I, I did my apprenticeship in the in the early nineties. Finished finished after we were married, so I finished in 90, 1995. So that's quite a while ago. I spent many years plumbing since, and in all those years, I spent. I couldn't count how many days working with a a machine, a backhoe or an excavator, Um, but I was only ever leaning on the shovel, you know, checking to see if the trench was in the deep enough, if I needed to get a bit shallower, a bit deeper, so you didn't put too much material in the bottom, you know, for the laying of pipes. And um, of course, with drainage pipes, they have to, you know, water runs downhill, so you have to dig the trench so that it's got fall in it. Um, and you don't want to be using a shovel to dig the hard ground, so while the machine's there, you're careful to make sure it's dug correctly and not too deep and not too shallow, especially not too shallow. Otherwise, you set yourself up for a lot of work. And anyway, I had to drive an excavator. And in all these years, I had never, ever driven an excavator. Even though I'd stood watching a machine dig, I don't know, it'd be months of my life, I reckon, if you added up all the hours. I sat there and watched a machine dig, but never ever driven one myself. And so I was quite anxious about this because you've got all these levers to get the thing to do what you want it to do, but you have to make the connection between your brain your hands, the levers and the arm and the bucket. Um, and this is something that initially, you have to initially understand what you're doing, what which direction you push the lever to get a, a certain result. And initially it's really awkward and really slow and you have to think about every single action. But after a little while, you start to get the hang of it and you actually don't have to think so much because something is happening. You're beginning to understand and something starts to get in you, like as if it becomes almost like a reflex. Now I'm nowhere near that because I only got to spend a couple of hours doing it, but I'm looking forward to next time I get to drive an excavator because I'll be better and I won't have to think so hard and eventually it becomes you just do it and your hands just respond. And this is the way that the word is meant to be in our own lives. The way of wisdom the word the bible says is actually written on our hearts but this just doesn't happen like you know some magic spell no this is a process working our way forward and after a while walking in the ways of wisdom having christ in our heart having allowing the lord and the holy spirit to write on our heart his word and his ways it actually becomes like as if you're not necessarily having to think so much about choosing correctly because wisdom is in you and of course every now and then you come up with something new and you have to or you come up with a difficulty and you have to press in and you know seek the will of God on those things but in normal day-to-day life these things can become more or less routine because wisdom is like that produces good outcomes because of what you grow to believe. So Jesus himself, he teaches us, he appeals to us. Now we know that the Holy Spirit, you know, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Christ. Um, The Holy Spirit has some specific things that, that he does and this is not a message about the Holy Spirit but we know that the Holy Spirit reminds us Of what the Lord Jesus Christ says we know that the Holy Spirit empowers us gives us the ability to understand the scriptures and the Holy Spirit also it says in another place where he leads us into all truth and so we have this great benefit in that he's we can receive the Holy Spirit and we can receive him daily and if we have a question we can go Lord what is that And we find the Holy Spirit will help us to understand. And this is the way of wisdom. God God helps us walk in the way. And the the great thing about walking with God is that when you encounter something, and it might be difficult, once you walk through it with His help, something is written into your heart and it doesn't go away. It remains with you. And it's a benefit not only for yourself into the future, but then you can be a benefit in serving others. Now, this passage, part of the passage of this verse that we're looking at, do not forget my teaching. I'm going to just sort of pull that apart just a little bit. You know, what's the purpose of of the Lord's commands? You know, the very last part of this verse says, you know, keep my commandments. What is the purpose? Now, law in itself you know, another version will say do not forget my law law in itself is, was originally put there to define what sin is if God had never ever brought the law along well then for those outside they would go well, well what's right and what's wrong but God did bring the law along and he very very specifically described you know what is right and what is wrong this is what I want and and so he he defined sin. And the other thing that we need to understand by by that that initial giving of the law and that, that covenant of the law that that God brought along is that he as a greater power imposed it upon. It wasn't like as if we sat down with God in a negotiating table and, and come up with some mediated agreement. No. No, that's not how it worked. And it doesn't it's not how it works now either. Is that God is the greater power. He's the Creator. He is like a father and a mother to us. He's—he is preeminent over all things, and he says, "This is my law. This is how I want you to live, and this is the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom is not something that—that is—is mediated, and we come up with some compromised agreement, because we all know that any compromised agreement means that you'll have two unhappy parties. Just—that's the way that." the way of compromise works. is You have two dissatisfied parties working away from an agreement because nobody got everything that they wanted. That's not the way that God works. That's not the way that his wisdom is applied to our lives. He is the one who has imposed and does impose his standards upon us with regard to morality, with regard to right and wrong and that's the way it works. Now of course out of these laws comes rules and the rules are actually there for our own safety and direction. Um, this is the, the, the ultimate reason why, you know, governments in their, in their wisdom or foolishness impose laws and rules is, is ultimately, especially things like road rules or, you know, don't stand too close to the edge of the cliff, it's, it's for your, your protection. The reason why we have all these work, work safety or workplace health and safety laws is, is ultimately to try and reduce the number of incidences of people getting hurt or killed in workplaces. And so the reasons, and the only way they can do it is is by having rules. And, and sometimes people will argue about whether the rules are good or bad, but nevertheless the motivation is for safety. But the other thing that rules do is, it, oddly enough, is it, is it reveals our own prou- proud hearts. Um, because as soon as there's a requirement or some rule put before us, as, sh- as human beings, it's very, very common, we'll go, huh? That's a stupid rule. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want. And, and so this is something that is part of the sinful nature and is universal. It, it, you don't have to teach a child to do this. They, it's just part of being human. And so one of the reasons why the law is put there is actually to show and to demonstrate how sinful we are and how much ultimately we need a saviour. And the Lord Jesus Christ of course is our saviour. God worked with the nation of Israel tirelessly for many generations giving them chance upon chance upon chance upon chance reiterating again follow my ways this is my law but they could never do it. They could never do it. And even, even those disciples who Jesus said, you know, watch and pray with me for just one hour so that you will not fall into temptation, even those disciples right there at the most critical time, they couldn't do it because the Spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. And this is what it's like for us. We need the help of the Holy Spirit but we have this uncomfortable reality in us we are we have a flesh with us we need the help of the Holy Spirit and we have this natural thing because we are born in sin where we will resist rules we will want our own way and so the actual teaching and the giving of the law and having all these things put before us the wisdom right there in front of our eyes reveals our own proud hearts and with regard to the you know who's doing the teaching well we're talking about wisdom so we're talking about the teaching of Christ it's given it's available and it's to be received and that's the way that God has set it up here in law in in grace even in law when you go back to it that was always God's intent he wanted people to be happy about doing, you know, obeying the law. So he had all these feasts and celebrations, and festivals, and things to, to rejoice. And he wanted people to be happy about it. And but the thing we have in as a, as you look through the story of human history and the Old Testament flowing into the New Testament, it proves beyond doubt that we in ourselves are not able to walk in the way of wisdom by our own strength alone. We need the Lord's help. So here we have this wonderful thing where we have Christ in us, you know, our hope of glory. And the way of wisdom, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, is right there for us to be received by us. God doesn't want and does, he just doesn't, force it into us, sometimes circumstances arise which can be very desperate, but we always have that place of choosing. We either look to the Lord or we look to ourselves. And it's up to us. Because God really isn't that interested in in having a forced conscript. Because anything, and I've said it many times, love that is forced is not real love. You know, service that is forced is not real service. That's, that's a different thing. Now when we ask Jesus into our heart, you sort of wonder how, how is it that Jesus comes into our heart? Have you ever wondered about that? Now of course spiritually he comes into us because the Bible says that, you know, when we believe that he gives to us a deposit, the Holy Spirit, guaranteeing our salvation. So we actually receive something of God that comes within us, so there's a spiritual component to salvation, but there's more. The Lord Jesus Christ, by his Spirit, writes on our heart, his ways. And a very big part of of how we get Jesus into our heart is we allow his teaching, his ways, his understanding, his knowledge to come and it becomes ours. And so Jesus becomes part of us, into us. And this leads on to the next little phrase in this this verse. It says, my son, do not forget my teaching. Now let's talk about, but let your heart keep. It says, let your heart keep my commands. A few weeks ago I was reading this verse and that, that phrase there but let your heart keep. God doesn't want just external observation of his ways but he wants it in our hearts so our heart responds to him. And you know this leads us to that question you know what I was just talking about how is it that Jesus is in you? I remember as a kid, we used to sing this song, you know, Come into my heart, into my heart, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, come in today. I might have started too high. Come in to stay, into my heart, Lord Jesus. I can remember singing that song and you think, well, what does that mean? You know, have Jesus come into your heart. I just spoke about how, yes, there is a spiritual component to that, of course. Holy Spirit comes in. Something changes. You know, and and how does Jesus come into your heart? Well, of course, it's by faith. You believe He's the Son of God. You believe. You recognize that you're a sinner. You need saving. You recognize that your sin separates you from God. Oh, Jesus paid the price for my sins, and I can't pay for them myself. This is the message of, of the gospel. The life of Christ worked out for me so that I can belong to him and he can belong to me. I say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. And Jesus does. Lord, I want to follow you. How do you follow? How? How are we allowing his ways, his wisdom, to become part of you? How does Jesus become a part of you? It's, this is a little thing that I've just pulled a, out of um, a strong concordance, you know, the heart. So it sort of, it says, let your heart follow. This particular word here, it's, talks about, you know, widely used for feelings, for your will, or even the intellect, likewise, for the centre of anything. So. You, What Jesus here is talking about, what the Bible here is talking about, what wisdom here, the appeal of wisdom is that let your heart obey my commands. That's the centre of who you are, your innermost being, all you are to follow. So this is not begrudging obedience. No, it's you want to because it's who you are. This is how Jesus becomes part of you. This is how Jesus gets into your heart. You become him. Jesus, come into me. Another part, you know, Jesus says, you find this, I think, in John 6. He says, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Jesus doesn't literally mean eat his flesh, you know, not with a knife and a fork, or drink his blood, not with a cup. No, it means receive him. If, you, if, something, if you're going to eat something, you receive him. It's like if, if somebody's trying to deceive you and there's a saying, he says, ah, he swallowed that hook, line and sinker. It means that you've deceived someone. They, they swallowed it. They, they took it into themselves and they believed it. We are meant to take Jesus into ourselves, his ways and his teaching and believe him. That's the way of wisdom. Having Jesus in our hearts. And here this verse says, but let your heart keep my commandments. This is the cry of wisdom. You know, to have a wise heart. How do you have a wise heart? Well, it's the, way, it's the way of Christ. It's the teaching of Christ. It's to receive it, to accept it, to long for it, to seek it out. And we talked about this, you know, this is how Jesus is in us. Now let's think about wisdom itself. You know, wisdom, what is wisdom? Well, yes, it's Jesus, it's the ways, it's, it's, it's the knowledge of God and all these, these, these wonderful things. But it's, there's also a knowledge of, of good and evil in there. But you, you think, think, about, think about these things, you know, like we have laws. We have the law of gravity, for example. Did the law of gravity precede gravity? No. No, the law describes something that already existed. You know, when, when Newton, you have the story of Newton sitting under the tree, whether it's true or not, you know, an apple falls on his head and he goes, ah, oh, I wonder what that is. You know, why is it that everything falls and gets pulled towards the centre of the earth? You know, Newton, a famous scientist, physicist, you know, comes up with all these, he's quite a you know, in his, in his day, you know, profound, um, you know, formulas to describe this natural phenomenon. But the phenomenon already existed. It existed from the foundation of the world. It's, it's part of something. These concepts, the ideas, the truths that are, that are wrapped up in Christ, they already exist. They're eternal. These things are not, they didn't come about like, "Hmm." no, they they are eternal. There's something about the nature of of understanding, the nature of wisdom that is eternal. And it's found in God. You know, the idea of good and evil, that that pre-existed humanity. That was the very subject matter of the temptation. You know, Eve Longing to be wise. Ooh, I'd like to know to be like God. You know, if I eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. These, these concepts are eternal. The scriptures give to us these, this language, you know, that is physical, that we can, we can grasp and understand. But wisdom is eternal. Christ is eternal. And we also created in God's image are eternal beings. And so, of course, this means that we have the giving of the heart and the battle of the mind. Because the way of wisdom, it opposes that which is of the flesh. And the Lord wants to draw us into it. And, and so the giving of the heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving him into, our, into ourselves, is very much a part of, of that mechanism, something we, we, we want to, we search it out. You, you, you read some more into Proverbs and it talks about this language of valuing, searching for it like you would for a hidden treasure. And the place where we actually, all of this like battle of the wills, if you like, goes on, you know, between what I would consider to be wisdom and what the Lord presents as wisdom, the place of the battle is in our mind. This is where the fight goes on. What is it that we're going to believe? Who is going to win? What I want, or what the Lord says is wisdom? And the place of battle is right there between our ears and in many ways it's up to us. But we have the help of the Holy Spirit to see and to understand. So this, of course, leads us into this place, you know, this, this, this battle. You know, independence or submission. Am I going to be independent to God or am I going to submit to his ways? Now, submission, correctly understood, doesn't mean that you devalue yourself, but rather you put yourself, you know, under the Lord's mission and go, well, I'm positioned in a place where I can prosper where the Lord can take me to a place of greater strength. But if I'm independent, then I can't make use of any of his ways. It's like holding an umbrella out to the side, not standing under it, and going, I'm holding the umbrella, but it's not going to do anything for you because you're not under it. You'll still get wet. The sun will still hit your head. You know, to submit to the umbrella means you put yourself under it. It doesn't make you less important. It just puts you in a place of protection Place of advancement, where you can make use of, of what the umbrella is for, and a submissive heart puts you in a place where wisdom benefits you, Christ benefits you. It's a wonderful thing. There's more to say, of course. And then, you know, parallel concepts pride and humility. Pride, what I want. The Bible says that when you're proud, then the Lord will oppose you, but when you're humble, You receive grace. Humility is always the way ahead. And so, you know, where does all this lead it to? You know, ultimately it leads to be presented to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here in Colossians 1 21 and 22, it says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order that he might present you holy and blameless and above approach before him. A few verses later it says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Jesus wants us to be in a place where we are clean and be able to be presented to him. Mature, it says, in this scripture. And I'll just rush through. There's a whole heap of verses attached to this. I don't have time to read them all. But you can see them written right there. You know, we, the Lord wants us to come before him and ultimately to be presented to him. And we're to be presented before him. You find that in Colossians 1.22. And we're be presented to Him. You find that in Ephesians five, twenty-seven, and other places, of course. And amazingly, you know, with regard to being how we're presented, is we're presented before the Lord by Him. You know, it's it's actually the Lord God who who helps us. Paul says, you know, for this I toil, struggling with all His energy that we're, that so powerfully works in me. It's the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in us that does this work so that we become clean, spotless, united to be presented to God as the Lord wants us to be. And we're for him. It's amazing. All things were created by him and for him, with him. We're to be presented with him. There's many places in Scripture where this, that, those two words go together, with him. That's with the Lord Jesus Christ. It says here in 2 Timothy 2.12, it says, If we endure, we shall also reign with him. You know, the Bible says in another place that we are co-heirs with him. So not only are we presented to him, you know, and by him and for him, but we're... Somehow, in God's wisdom, we're with him. He, he puts us in himself. You know? And in him. The Bible talks here, it says, He says, raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So here, this, these two concepts of being with him and in him are in the same verse. This is the Lord's attempt. And how does all this achieved? To be presented wise, the way of Christ in him. Wisdom. Jesus is wisdom. And so a very big part of inviting Jesus into your heart, of being Christian, is to having Christ in our hearts. Wisdom in our hearts allowing him to ride in our hearts. So one of the ways and one of the things that make us Christian is wisdom. The way of wisdom. And, you know, in this, this slide, you know, right there at the bo- bottom, we have this battle, this ongoing battle inside of our own brains and our own heads and our own will between independence and submission, between pride pride and humility. And for many of us, this is this is sometimes a point of contention. Sometimes this is a roadblock that stops us progressing. And sometimes, very often, there's strongholds. Things that we believe that sit there like this hindrance. It stops us advancing. And so I guess I will leave it there. But how do we respond to this? Well, what does the proverb say with regard to wisdom? It's to search for it. To long for it, to seek it out as for buried treasure. To understand that it's more valuable than than gold and silver. Indeed it is valuable. Christ is beautiful and he is wisdom so father I ask Lord, that upon our own hearts and in our own lives we would indeed value your ways and lord anything in us that is a hindrance lord the flesh we do have with us I thank you lord Jesus that you remember that we are but flesh I thank you lord Jesus that you lord are enthroned our glorified Saviour, and because you are man, you understand. And so you intercede for us. You remember that we are flesh, you remember our weakness. Thank you for the, the giving of your Holy Spirit to help us, that you ride on our hearts. Lord, I ask that you would, Lord, cause us to come to that place more and more of submission and humility before you. Lord, the wisdom that Christ would be our way. So I ask you for this grace. And Lord, for the town of Mount Morgan, Lord, independence and all those attitudes that separate. Lord, things in culture that are are arrogant and independent, nor would you deal with them. Unclean spirits that so bind up the heart that the heart cannot see the light of Christ. May there be a pulling down. Because, Lord, the light of Christ illuminates. It illuminates. So may the hearts be illuminated everywhere to see the way of wisdom. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.